On Naturally Savvy, we only take sponsors that we believe in. We know they have good quality products that are good for you. Uh, this month, we are sponsored by, I hope I say this right, uh, Wakunaga of America. They're the makers of Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract, Kylodophilus Probiotics, and Kyo Green Powdered Green Drink Mix. All naturally healthy solutions to support your well-being. Kyo means strength. You can learn more at www kyolic.com that's k-y-o-l-i-c and now more than ever not only do we need to strengthen our emotional health we also need to strengthen our physical health so i mean i'm a garlic fanatic so i'm super excited it's a great product we've all heard about mindfulness neuroplasticity how important it is to meditate but how many of us actually do this now my husband's been meditating for 20 years and i try off and on i always fall off the wagon i've got the perfect guest here to help us, the fantastic John Cabot Zen. Hello, John. So excited to have you on the program. Hi there, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, today we're going to be talking about your new audio book, The Healing Power of Mindfulness. So, John, before we jump into that, how do you define mindfulness? Uh, the, the short working definition is that it's awareness itself, pure awareness. So it's not something that you have to acquire. It's something that we all already have. But what we don't have is easy access to it because we're lost in thought and driven by our emotional reactivity so much of the time and just how distracted we are. So this is both extremely easy to cultivate mindfulness and just about the hardest work in the world for us human beings. So I sympathize with the fact that maybe <laughs> your husband is very disciplined at it, but, but you uh, wish you could be disciplined. And part of the message of this book is that it really is something that uh, if you see it as a love affair uh, with living life as if it really, 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 really mattered, then it's not like you have to be a good meditator or a good performer of mindfulness, but just that you continually drop in moment by moment by moment. That takes no effort whatsoever. And then life itself becomes the meditation practice. And then whether you practice formally at different times, wake up early in the morning as I do and probably as your husband yes. does and so forth before a busy day, then so much the better. And you know what? The more you practice mindfulness in everyday life, the more you will actually be drawn to doing that harder work of uh, carving out some time, clock time during the day to actually do lying down meditation, sitting meditation, walking meditation, something more formally to sort of tune the instrument before you take it out on the road to, to play it during the day. So they're deeply, deeply connected. Uh, but I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, my God, it's such a tall mountain to climb. I'll never be able to do it. It's like as long as you're breathing, you can drop into this moment, this breath, and you're cultivating open-hearted, spacious awareness, which is what mindfulness is all about. Oh, I love that. You know, John, I find that I'm most mindful when I'm doing the show, and that's something I'm not thinking yeah, about. Yeah, I believe it. For me, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah, and I well, can... that's a nice way to do it nice way to think about it. It's also good for your listeners uh, who are listening now. One of the reasons I'm happy to be doing this kind of a radio interview is that it has a certain kind of intimacy to it. I mean, this sort of audio, we're actually going from heart to heart and from brain to brain and from ears to ears. And so uh, I tried to use language, talking about this audio program, The Healing Power of Mindfulness, that the actual languaging of the words can entrain you into meditative awareness. 
takes a lot of time to actually read what you've written, you know, if it's like book length. Uh, and there are four of these books in the series, so The Healing Power of Mindfulness is just one of four. It's the third one. And so I've spent a lot of time in the studio in the past year reading this, and I feel like the reason I'm doing it is because then I can actually reach out to the listener and we can be present together with the moment-by-moment moment unfolding of the experience of the listener, him or herself. So that means that you become your own teacher or life becomes the teacher, and it's not some gigantic hurdle that you have to become a good meditator or be the Dalai Lama or anything like that or have, you know, uh, light-blinding spiritual experiences, in quotes, but just that, like, life itself is the most profound spiritual experience, and we could, like, zone through all of it on automatic pilot not even knowing who our children are, and then wake up at the end and realize, as Thoreau said and Walden, that got it all wrong. And that would be a tragedy. And in terms of the stress, pain, and illness that we usually encounter unwanted at one phase or another in life, how to be in wise relationship with the unwanted is incredibly powerful. And you can't get that out of a book. You have to get out of that out of your own heart. And the only way to do that is through cultivating intimacy with yourself in those times when you're not so stressed out that you can't pay any attention whatsoever. Oh, that is true. You know, speaking of not being able to pay attention, you know, you, you've you been in this very long time, way before the internet and smartphones. Let's, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear long just... white beard. <laughs> well, just how things have changed. I feel like things are so difficult now. There's so much, and that multitasking really isn't a thing, even though people think it is. And so. we haven't seen anything yet, you know, to read what's going on in artificial intelligence and robotics and computers and uh, the G5 networks and stuff like that. We're, we're at risk for becoming enslaved by our own precocity in terms of the, our technology as a species. And your cell phone knows more about you than you know about yourself in terms of your buying habits, where you go, what you like, what you want to spend your time doing, which is mostly either addicted to or distracted by everything that arises in your own mind that you have to check on your Instagram account or, you know, Facebook or whatever. And this is a, it's a form – it's not like – the technology is bad. I mean, we can't live without it. But the question is, can we live with it and really live? And that's going to be the challenge of the next generation, not just us, but our children and our children's children. Uh, that wh What does it mean to be human when we have uh, this kind of a digital intelligence, quote-unquote, that uh, is uh, growing at an exponential level? You know, the machines are actually designing the next generation of machines. I struggle with how to stay mindful with using the social media. You know, I have a book coming out soon. And so I'm always tweeting and promoting and, and interacting with people uh -huh. about it. And but then I get too sucked in. Oh, how many people retweeted? Or like, then I go check. Oh, did my book go up or down? You know, it, it's just. <laughs> right. ah! <laughs> well, it's, you're drilling down to the essence here, which, uh, you know, uh, which has to do with, well, who are you anyway? Because, uh, and I talk about this a lot in the book, like that we don't really cultivate intimacy with the personal pronouns, I, me, and mine. So we think we know who we are, who I am, but we don't actually pay attention to it. So what we're doing is we're actually creating narratives about who we are, and a lot of time they're very negative, like I'm too old, I'm too stupid, I'm too fat, I'm too whatever it is, I'm too, like, not good enough. 
And this is a narrative, but we think of it as the truth, and then it's like nails in our coffin. And when you cultivate mindfulness, you realize, you know what those are? Those are called thoughts. And they are just about as reliable as the thought about what you had for dinner six nights ago. Who cares? <laughs> They're not the truth. And as soon as you know that, you're free. And as soon as you're free, in that moment at least, you have a capacity to actually be okay in this moment without having to fill it with something else to authenticate yourself. Because you're not who you think you are. You're just much, much bigger. So this is the key dimension of what, what's called in the meditative tradition liberation. And that's why I teach this stuff. It's not to have a little bit less stress or a little bit more relaxed or a little bit better at coping with pain. It's to liberate us from the prisons of our own minds and, and uh, you know, mindless habits. This is not for, like, the elite few. This is for anybody and everybody who has a body and has a mind. And, and has reached a point where they're, like, sick and tired of suffering. Yeah, I need to be liberated from my own habits because I notice, like, I'll have a second where it's just quiet and I reach for my phone or reach for my computer. Like, I'm really bad right. at just right. being. This is something I'm really working on, so I'm just so excited about you and your, and your new, your no, new audio book. It's great because we wind up actually being each other's teachers. Right. And I put in the book, for instance, a letter that I guess got out of the blue through my publisher in the U.K. from some woman uh, in Scotland who wrote to me, you know, she had esophageal cancer and was saying that mindfulness actually saved her life in her words and told me the story. And, and then, I mean, changed her life in many, many ways. I wound up actually meeting her when I was in the U.K. last summer. And just, it's like, this is happening millions of people all over the world is that they are actually using the cultivation of mindfulness to discover who they actually are rather than who they are afraid they are or the stories they tell themselves about who they're not. And this is liberative. It really is freeing. What else are people going to hear? For people who haven't listened yet, and I definitely highly recommend it, in the healing power of mindfulness, what are some other issues that you focus on to help people develop that mindfulness? Yeah, in the first part, I'm talking about the science of mindfulness and and uh, what it's showing about healing, uh, the healing of the body, healing of the mind, and so forth, and uh, the new sciences of neuroplasticity and genomics and epigenetics and uh, telomere, you know, cellular aging and so forth, all of which are positively affected by cultivating mindfulness. And many other things that we could do, too, I mean, in a disciplined way, but mindfulness is, like, really, really powerful in that regard, and it's more a non-doing than it's a doing anything. So it doesn't actually take any time at all. It's a, what I sometimes call a rotation in consciousness, so to speak. So, uh, and then the second part of the book, there are two parts to the book. The second part of the book is a whole bunch of stories, a lot of them having to do with my own life, uh, and about just the nature of uh, how much we, say, interrupt ourselves. We don't just interrupt other people in conversation. We interrupt ourselves. Uh, so we can hardly get a thought out without having another thought come out and then another <laughs> thought. And then we get lost in thought and underscore lost. And so there are a lot of chapters about that. There are chapters about death and dying and, and how important it is to, like, you know, in yoga, we practice lying down meditations in the corpse pose. Why is it called the corpse pose? Well, in a way, I'm joking in a certain way, but saying, like, well, it's an invitation to die now, get it over with, and then the rest of your life is free. It's like a gift. 
And what are we dying to? We're dying to those crazy narratives that we tell ourselves about how we're not good enough. Yeah, that is true. And that is very difficult. I mean, there's so many of us who are doing that and that negative self-talk. And I think that's where that neuroplasticity can come in, correct? Sort of rewiring the way you think. And, you know, there's a whole field called mindfulness-based cognitive therapy with very, very powerful, powerful science behind it that demonstrates that even with major depressive disorder, which is one of the most gigantic psychiatric disorders facing, you know, a huge fraction of the population, maybe 30 or 40 percent lifetime susceptibility to major depressive disorder. We're not talking about a little bit of blues, but a lot worse. It is a disease of thought. It's a dysregulation of thinking where we actually get entrained into what's called the depressive rumination. And one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought. And we spiral down each one a nail in our coffin. And all you need to do is bring mindfulness to the thinking process itself and you actually subvert it. You, you, it's like touching a soap bubble. The bubble goes poof, and it just dissolves. And that's the nature of thought. But when we don't know that, then we actually are at high risk for uh, diseased, diseases of thinking that lead to not just you know, major depression, but anxiety disorders and, and things like that. And that's something we can liberate ourselves from. No drugs can actually do that effectively, or even in combination with drugs, if it's very, very serious, that you start out doing medication and meditation, and the words sound a lot alike, and that's because they're linked at the hip. So meditation is a profound way of transforming your biology and your psychology and your and your relationships, so social psychology. John, tell us all the places we can find your fabulous work. Well, I mean, all you need to do is Google me, and you'll find more than you ever wanted on YouTube and uh, everywhere else. But my website is uh, is, is called www.mindfulnesscds.com because they're guided meditation practices that uh, we don't actually sell on the website, but it gives you links to places where you can download them. It's mindfulnessapps.com. Uh, where you can get them for your, ironically, for your smartphone. You know, the most important thing is not to get in touch with me, but to get in touch with yourself. On Naturally Savvy, we only take sponsors that we believe in. We know they have good quality products that are good for you. Uh, This month, we are sponsored by, I hope I say this right, uh, Wakunaga of America. They're the makers of Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract, Kylodophilus Probiotics, and Kyo Green Powdered Green Drink Mix. All naturally healthy solutions to support your well-being. Kyo means strength. You can learn more at www. Kyolic.com. That's K-Y-O-L-I-C. And now more than ever, not only do we need to strengthen our emotional health, we also need to strengthen our physical health. So, I mean, I'm a garlic fanatic, so I'm super excited. It's a great product.